Welcome to Homicide the Podcast. Hi, I'm Kevin. And hi, I'm Brandon. And welcome to <laughs> Homicide the Podcast. Welcome to the very delayed Homicide the Podcast. We have returned. We have. We are safe. We are sound. No, we were not murdered. We are still alive. <laughs> uh, funny enough, we have been um, out of co-mission for a hot <laughs> Yes, second. we were MIA. Yeah, we were MIA. So basically, we got home. Okay, obviously, you know that we're in a... Well, let me start over. If you are listening to this podcast, maybe fast forward like a few minutes. Uh, because <laughs> really, this won't pertain to you, I guess, as much unless you watch us on YouTube. But we're in a different location recording today it was very lengthy for no reason it was <laughs> thank you anyway we are recording from our office actually in tampa so if you follow us and know us you know that we live in both new york city and in tampa florida yeah we got a lot of dreams y'all <clears throat> yeah lots of dreams uh but anyway we were home for our home for the holidays and really we go back and forth between new york and, and tampa anyway but uh we've recorded mostly in new york city with our producer anna well, anyway anna was uh, off on a holiday and we came to Tampon uh, to, yeah, be here for the holidays. Also, yeah. we own our house here, and it's a, a cool fucking city if you yeah. haven't been here. Anyway. Yeah, but then we got here, and we decided that our mental health mattered a little bit. Yeah. And we were like, you know what? I need a break. I we need a break a, from We needed just everything. a moment. Yeah. So we had we, a lovely week between Christmas and New Year's that we, we did. didn't do much. No, we got really high <laughs> yes. a lot. Ate and quite a bit. ate a lot of food, and I've gained quite a bit of weight, actually. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, we... But it was fun and it was worth it. And I don't know about you, but I needed it. I did need it too. So anyway, uh, sorry that we didn't have an episode on the 26th of December. Or the second. (laughs) Which also meant that our giveaway, (laughs) we um, we need to extend. So yeah, we're going to extend that and we'll share more information on that when we think about it. Because it just popped into my head. (laughs) God, we're so rude. We're so not prepared. This is how we live our life, guys. You're welcome. Anyway. Anybody who knows this is probably just laughing at us. (laughs) Uh, Agreed. Okay, but Brandon. Yes. We're recording on Saturday, January 6th. This episode comes out this Tuesday. And I think it's worth talking to people about the experience that we had at the primary care doctor (laughs) that we were establishing this week. Well, if they've seen our TikTok, they might already have seen that. Oh, I did share it on there. Okay, well, here's the story. Basically, Brandon and I went to go to, we don't go to the doctor very often, and we're getting older because we're most We're trying to do better about it. Yeah. And so we went to the doctor. (laughs) And uh, in there, they're asking all these questions. It's pretty great. Although at one point, it was like, these are some pretty intense questions. Are you a bottom or a top? And I'm okay, like, oh my God. let's start off with saying we didn't just go to a normal no. uh, primary care physician. We went to a all-inclusive queer uh, physician group. If you're in the Tampa Bay area, it's called Metro Health. They're fantastic, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, anyway, we went to the one that's in Seminole Heights here uh, near our neighborhood because we live in the yeah. anyway. So they ask a lot of questions about yeah. that would pertain to the queer lifestyle. But I've never I've never answered those questions. Like I've, yeah, I never had a nurse before. ask me if I was a top, bottom, reverse. I haven't either. <laughs> and I was like, and and like, uh, have you been sexually active? Yes. Have you given oral? Oh my god. <laughs> yes. This is awkward. Anyway, so we're getting everything done, blood tests, all this kind of stuff, and I'm sitting in the chair, and she like pokes me in both arms. She couldn't find, find my fucking vein. After you left to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. she was like, I've never had that happen before. Oh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. So that all happens. And then she's uh, talking about, okay, like, here's the cup that you need to pee in, which, by the way, was like this weird. It was <laughs> like not a, a normal, cup. like, I feel like I've had to, like, it was a screw, paper cup with a, a plastic top. It looked like yeah. you were going to a bodega and you were getting a, a, yeah, like, a, a, um, like one of those blue like coffee a, cups. Or like if you, uh, on the Upper West Side, there's this delicious restaurant called Malecon. And you can get like a cafe con leche there. And it was like that cup Uh with like the plastic top. It was fucking weird. So she gives that to me. And then she's like, and then you'll also have to do this um, uh, rectal swab, which you can do on your own. And I went, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) What? I literally heard her say rectal or anal. She said one of the two. And I remember just like she was in front of me. And I just like whipped my head up. It was like, what? And I was like, I'm I'm sorry, what? And so uh, she was like, it's, it's, you know, for you, you just, you got to swab and i was like look i have to stick that in my ass and swab and she was like yes, yes. <laughs> and i'm like what and so I, okay so i went to the bathroom and you were I, in there a very long because time because i got nervous and then i went to go like do the pee right in the cup so i was like i'll start there so i like first up i took my pants all the way down so i was like 
peeing with my pants all the way down. <laughs> like you were a child at a urinal again. It was really weird. But anyway, I'm going to do that. Um, and I go, you know, whip, you know, whip your dick out. You're like, whatever. And then the cup falls into the toilet. I hadn't peed in it yet. And I was like, <laughs> so Fuck. gross. So I did like, well, hopefully somebody out. else had flushed before then. I mean, it didn't look like anything, but ew. Right. It's gross still. So I had to like rinse out the cup and all that kind was of stuff. Was there anything I, like, inside the cup? No, I hadn't peed in it yet. No, but like, did toilet water go in the cup? A hundred percent. Like, so would there be contamination it? with that? Probably. <laughs> I don't know. I rinsed it, whatever. I dried it all with the with the brown gross paper towels that were there. <laughs> and then uh, peed in that. And then here's the thing. I was like, I okay, let me try to swab my own asshole. <laughs> okay. It was such an uncomfortable experience. It was awful. So I'm trying to swab. Literally, I was just taking that fucking, like, basically covid it was like yeah it was a covid test for your booty for hole, your booty hole. <laughs> and, and it was like the same thing too so it I'm was like you're taking the dry cotton swab it was awful putting it in and she literally she showed me and she was she like showed you she did not show me no she's like you want to take it and then you want to scrub the lining inside ew, and i was ew. like i don't want to do that okay listen i <laughs> was like sticking it all sorts of places and i couldn't get in my hole so i had to take my phone out Put the camera on, put it down, bend down to look at my own asshole, stick this shit in. I got it in. I just went boop, boop. <laughs> there was no swabbing. And I'm telling you, I was like, ew. It was disgusting. It's fucking awful. It was disgusting. Anyway, so, so if you've had to swab but, your own asshole, please yeah. leave a review with how right. with a five-star review. And I guarantee you, it'll be mostly story. all gay men. 100%. Well, because it was technically when, for, I'm pretty sure that was for the like STD screening. STD and we are, we're monogamous. Yeah. We don't. We don't ever, we don't, do we don't typically test for STDs because we don't do anything. And so they were like, like, do you want us years. to do an STD panel? We said, sure, sure why not? Why we not? haven't done it in forever. So yeah. let's do it. So I'm pretty sure that was just part of the the STD screening, yeah. which I was not aware of. I feel like the last time we did the STD screening, it was just blood. I don't, and pee. I don't remember no. anything. I don't remember having about, to do anything to myself. Well, and some people talk about how they like swab inside of your your, your, your hole and all that kind of stuff and that i've never had that. no but so i feel I like that's probably if you have something and they have to like like if, you, if you're pussing something out you, you like swab if you have it. gonorrhea and you're like oh and it's like all the <laughs> oh, mucus so shooting out of your dingling anyways no. anyway i have never had gonorrhea <laughs> i've had several friends that were like kevin i have gonorrhea and i'm like ew tell me everything <laughs> right <laughs> tell me don't show me yeah. tell me like that like remember um um bobby yeah yeah not my brother-in-law but um, oh my god no, somebody that i used to work with yeah. <laughs> and he just told me everything and i was like it's in your mouth it was yeah. awful no um yeah but on, on the, when we Use posted it on, friends yes when we posted it on social media a whole bunch i think most of the game friends oh have all of like, the gay men that we know i've had to do that and i'm like we're what? starting to write yes i have i have yeah anyway so swabbing assholes that is uh, and then other people are like you might have malpractice i know i think that's right were there hidden cameras i'm like i mean there could be Whatever. I mean, I would watch that because it was really funny. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. that whole situation for me was very... It was hilarious just because it caught us off guard. And when something, like... I mean, and I'm awkward. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you want me to stick that in my asshole? <laughs> and she... You could tell that she was like... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you're welcome. Well, and then you walked away, but there was that other guy who walked up to the doorway and said something like, well, that's a common occurrence here. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, fine. Uh, and I even said on the TikTok, I'm like, it's one thing to hand a grown person your urine in a cup but having to hand over a tube that has a swabbed of your anal, anal juice, juice <laughs> inside of it it was so uncomfortable and we had an unfortunate morning with some pudidids uh like well, we, we had taco bell the night before we did not think about stomachs, this so i'm like here's my you know you're welcome i'm sorry i'm leaving <laughs> please don't you're look welcome. me in the eye i know <laughs> <laughs> awful oh man anyway so yeah we started the new year with an anal swab anal swabbing our how own, was your new year swabbing our own anus yeah it was, yeah we violated ourselves yeah it was yeah God, that was a dry swab and i've never like i clearly i'm gay i've stuck several things up my ass but i definitely don't i just i i could not get this I, it was awful it's getting hot in here <laughs> <laughs> We should, well, we should plug in that whole video. Haven't you missed listening to Homicide, the podcast, with your friends, Kevin and Brandon? Maybe not. <laughs> uh, anyway. We yeah. may gain followers. We may lose followers. But <laughs> there you go. Story of our life. But anyway, Happy New Year. Yes, Happy um, New Year. Happy late Christmas yes. and holiday and, and however you celebrate. Uh, we are non-religious people, so it's all about Christmas trays and Santa Clauses and chocolates and presents <laughs> and 
Everything that's not related to Jesus Christ. Yes. Good for those who do. He's the reason for the season. Right. Keep Jesus <laughs> Christ in Christmas. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. That's anyway. Beautiful. Uh, if you believe in all that, I, I, great. <laughs> um, okay. So, Brandon, Homicide yes. is back. And who here we is are. ready for episode 10? I am. But, Brandon, oh my yes. God. Okay. This week, we have uh, episode 10 coming out on Tuesday, but then on Thursday, oh, yes, we have our next Homo Town murder. No, and it's been a bit for that, too. Yes, but we're also doing something kind of fun. Yeah, we're switching it up. We decided after um, the last one that we did with Brian Mm -hmm. that we're going to do it a little bit different. So preemptively, I want to say, Brian, I know you're listening. Mm -hmm. So if you want to send in another Homo Town murder, we will have you back on well, we'll have your story back up. I like how he preemptively says. I know. I just fucked that up. You're welcome. Doing. Anyways, go ahead. Okay. I was trying to do it in a different way, and then I just yeah, I ruined it. Brian, Keep going. We'll jump back to that. But anyway, <laughs> our hometown murders. First off, if you have a hometown murder, which is your hometown murder, but we're homo side, so hometown murder, right? For um, Penny, I guess. Yes, I guess. Send in your hometown murder to us at murder at homosidepodcast.com. Again, murder at homosidepodcast. H O M O. Uh, send that in to us. And then what we're going to do in this new year mm-hmm. is we want you to tell your hometown murder we do. with us. And so you basically will do all the work, the research, whatever, uh, come to the table and join us recording on the podcast. Yeah. Telling the story. We will be in there just gagging. Yeah. And you tell us and, and we react reacting because you know right these are not so instead of us yeah. telling you the story you tell us correct so again brianne yeah if you said another story we'll have you on the podcast this time yes so so this week uh is featuring my really good friend maddie yes and i'm super excited for you to join her because man her to join I, her to wait wait for to her join, to join us to for join, you to hear her yes for <laughs> you to join us listening or watching uh when maddie joins us uh this week so anyway really excited Excited for you and us and everyone in between. Anyway, uh, and then episode 11 comes out the next week. So really excited to be back on track. We'll let you know more about the um, uh, giveaway that we're doing. So just remember, please subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on wherever you listen to your podcast, but specifically um, Apple, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all of them. Anyway, specifically those two, but then all of them that makes us sure. Uh, (laughs) And then also please rate and review five stars. That always helps us grow. So anyway, God, that was a lot. You're welcome. If you don't like listening to intros, just maybe fast forward by 15 or 20 minutes and you'll be there. So Brandon, today's episode, episode 10 is titled. Tell us, tell us. Hey kid, stay away. Hey kid, stay away. Hey kid. Let me just. What do you mean by "hey kid"? <laughs> just kidding. So today's episode is all about killer children. Terrifying. Which, by the way, is fucking scary. <laughs> it is terrifying. It's like like not, a, imagine a like a toddler with a knife chasing you. That's terrifying. <laughs> that, that reminds me of like Chucky the film, right? <laughs> even though he was not a child. Um, Basically, though, still. Yeah, yeah, I feel like there's nothing more terrifying than a child who is capable of killing whether they understand what they're doing or they're not. Like it's terrifying. You've barely experienced experienced experienced. <laughs> okay, jumping back to Chucky. Wait, no, was it Chucky? No, oh my god, I was thinking about the Leprechaun. Have you seen the movie Leprechaun? Yeah, but I don't remember. It was so oh long. my god, we I watched all of that. You talk about it every Halloween, but we mostly never watch I it. talk about Leprechaun in the Hood because <laughs> it was really fucking funny. Anyway, but Leprechaun. Yeah, why did I bring that one? Oh my god, is it? Did you ever see the movie Willow? Yeah, I think so with you. They like came back, I don't know, out with like a, I don't know. You're asking me to remember way too many references right now. (gasps) I know. Chucky, Leprechaun, Willow. I'm pretty sure that the same actor played the Leprechaun as played Willow, who was also in Harry Potter. (laughs) Okay. You're welcome. Where are we going with this? We're talking about killer children. Anyway, back. (laughs) let's jump back to killer children. So why did Um, you say any of that? I don't know. What was the point? I don't know. <laughs> You're welcome for all of it. Uh, we'll talk about it later tonight after we've smoked a bit. All right. right. And be like, okay, why did you even bring that up? I don't know. You're welcome for it, though. Anyway, <laughs> so, hey, kid, stay away. Episode 10, Killer Children. Yeah. Brandon, are you ready? Yes, I think it's you go my first turn to go first. We definitely had to double check the YouTube channel to see what our last, who spoke first last time, but it was you, so it's me. We did. All right. All right. You ready? Yeah. Yes, girl. Let's do it. Tell us. 
So I don't have a, a title for mine. Oh. But I just looked up one of the news article headlines, which okay. is kind of interesting. So I'm going to use that as my headline. And it is, when the face of evil is 13, a small town's pain is the title of the article. It made no sense. Why? You'll read it. Read I mean, it again? I'll tell you the story. And no, I know, but sense. read it again. When the face of evil is 13, a small town's pain. That makes no sense. It's it's colon. It's like two separate pieces. But two. Oh. Just let, this is why I don't do this shit. That would have been, <laughs> been something to... Um, I should I should should have just said I don't have a title. Let me go into it. So I don't have a title. Let me what just dive year, right what in. What year was this, and who was the author? Because that was bad choices. I'm sorry. It might just make kidding. sense after I read it. All right. Well, let's dive in. All right. So it was a normal day on August second, nineteen ninety three, in Savona, New York. Derek Joseph Robbie, a bright and lively four year old boy, <clears throat> was waiting to leave the house to go to the park where he was on a recreational baseball team. Being uh, that they were only a block away from the park, it was a common occurrence for Derek uh, to walk on his own as his mother, Doreen, Doreen Robbie, watched from the house. Distracted uh, by Derek's younger brother, Dalton, uh, he was a bit fidgety and Doreen had her hands full taking care of him that day. Uh, Trying to help, Derek told uh, Doreen, his mother, that he would be all right and that he can make it all by himself, that it would be no problem. Knowing that was it was only a short distance, it was only a block away, it was on a dead-end street with no cross streets, and that he knew his way around since they go there so often, Doreen decided that uh, he was capable of going on his own for the very first time. Hmm. With, his, <laughs> with his packed lunch in hand, a kiss and a mutual exchange of I love you, Derek went hopping off the sidewalk, as quoted by Doreen to the media. Um, a short time later, around 11 a.m., storm clouds rolled in, and it started to downpour, um, and Doreen started to get a little, uh, get this weird feeling like something wasn't right. Um, so with the feeling of uneasiness, uneasiness, I don't know what I just said, uh, Doreen went over to the park to get Derek. When she got there uh, and talked to the people that were there, uh, she was told that Derek never arrived that morning. Ooh. Mm, yeah, just one little block away. So One block? Yes, he was going one Jeez. block. He was walking one block. See? She usually watches him. Yeah, it was an easy mistake, I think. Great. I mean, one block. It was a block where they it's a Denon Road. It's where they live. They didn't think anything would happen. Why would you? Right. Yeah. So from there, panic set in. Police were called in understanding the severity of a four year old who was only going a block that went missing. The police and community started searching for him. Five hours later, the body of Derek was found in a small patch of woods right next to the park. So right in between the park and where. Uh, he lived. Little Derek. I know. But what happened? Immediately, the local community uh, started to panic. Uh, Savona uh, butts right up to the Interstate 86. So thinking it could be someone from out of town who murdered uh, Derek, the town ultimately came to a halt. Parents were scared to let their children out of the house, and the police's search for the killer proceeded. Um, and then at this point, the community of Savona had no idea what was about to unfold. Yeah. So here enters Eric Smith a 13-year-old boy who lived on the other side of town who was also um who also attended the same baseball program uh, from images of eric he seems like a typical young 13-year-old boy his family um at one point described him as fun loving a uh, young boy who liked to clown around and liked attention so adorned with bright red hair this one's interesting low set <laughs> ears what? and if you look at his photo we'll put it on um the um uh uh on our social media, his ears were kind of low. Do set, your ears right? hang low? He had really thick glasses and freckles. Um, oh. Which the, there's some photos where he kind of looked like an adorable little kid, but then you start to hear about him, and you're like, oh. Um, so he was. Uh, the sad part is that he was often uh, bullied in school mm. um, and was mm-hmm. um, commonly seen alone because of his his hair, his uh, ears, his glasses. He just didn't really fit in with people. God, we have a lot of parallels in our stories today. Oh, maybe. Oh, my God, imagine if it was the same one. It's not. It's <laughs> right. not. <laughs> uh, riding his bike. Um, so he would commonly be seen alone, riding his bike all over town with no one with him. And many considered him a loner. Hmm. Um, a few days after the murder, people started to notice that Eric was starting to act a little differently. Um, a family friend named Marlene Heskel um, even came out to say that Eric came to um, her and a neighbor um, and asked her uh, what would happen if it turned out to be a kid. 
like who murdered him. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, which seems like an odd question, um, paired with the additional questions about DNA evidence and some other stuff. What year was this? 1993. Okay, all right. It's even quoted that Eric's grandfather knew uh, that he was hiding something. He said um, in a, it was like on 48 hour uh, episode, in no way did we feel that he had done it. So he felt that he knew something. Maybe somebody had threatened him. uh, That's why he wouldn't tell. Mm. So knowing that he was at the park that day as well, Marlene's suspicions were kind of going a little crazy. Uh, So thinking that he may actually know something, he called Eric's mother, Tammy Smith. And they and Tammy uh, decided to take Eric to the police to meet the, with the investigators to maybe get him to talk about whatever happened. So when Eric started talking to the investigators, they were surprised with how interested in the murder he was. He talked about it as if he really enjoyed talking about it, and then he was acting pretty upbeat and happy, which is just kind of creepy because yeah. children are fucking creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Even children who creepy. don't murder are creepy sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> investigator John Hish. Uh, was also quoted as saying he looked he's looking right at me he's very upbeat very happy uh he likes the fact that he's being talked to which is also creepy but also thinking like this loner kid who has really no friends he's excited to talk to somebody which it's talking about murder which is also creepy it's just weird so at first eric said that he hadn't seen Derek that day but abruptly he changed his story he told them that he was riding his bike across, uh, right across from the open field, and he saw him wearing a white t-shirt and carrying a lunch bag. Um, investigators were a bit surprised by the answer um, because they happened to, because uh, that happened to be the same exact spot where his body was found. So he's saying he saw Derek in the field where the body was found on oh. the other side of the park with his bike. Oh goodness! Yeah. So after a bit more questioning, Eric was starting to get visibly upset. Even once he curled his hands and fists by his face and asked um, if they thought he killed Derek. So if you're watching, he, from what I saw, it was, it was the investigator. He had his hands up like this and he was shaking his fist by his face and he got mad. And he said, like out of anger said, do you think, um, do you think that I killed him? Which is creepy. And they're they're like, children are creepy. Yes, (laughs) Yes. they do. Right now, maybe, possibly. So the next day um, on August 6th, the police took Eric to the location where Derek, uh, where he saw Derek last. With a video camera in hand, they had Eric reenact um, his day, which I watched. Um, and it's really, it's kind of creepy because he's very calm. So as calm as ever in this video, you can see Eric doing as they ask, riding his bike up and down the street as if nothing happened. He doesn't look panicked. He doesn't look anything. He's just like calmly, collectively showing them. So... However, um, it was very clear to investigators that something wasn't right, that yeah. the information Eric gave them the day before didn't match what they saw, that it was it was not possible for Eric to actually see Derek where he said he would from the street. But from here, the police couldn't really do anything as they didn't have enough evidence to prove anything. So they were they just let him off and go because they were like, we don't really know. We don't know anything. So then. Then comes August 8th. So again, this all started August 2nd. So a few days later on August 8th. Um, I'm not sure why. Um, and I couldn't really see anywhere why, like what prompted any of this. But um, um, Eric was at home with his family and he started to break down. So for some reason or not, um, he broke down. And, on, um, and his grandfather was quoted to say that while they were at the house, uh, Eric said, I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry. I killed that little boy. Right. They immediately started questioning him. Why you know what he's talking about, what he did, how he did it, why they did it. Uh, but eventually they brought him to the police station. I mean, yeah, which kudos to the parents, I yeah. would say, because there's a lot of parents that I feel like would not do that. They would try to hide it and, and totally and totally. try to be like, no, my kid wouldn't do this. Yeah. Um, but to me, this is, I think they did the right thing to bring their child to I the police station. would have done the same thing. Yeah. yeah. So on August 9th, local authorities announced that Eric Smith, Eric Smith was arrested for the murder of Derek Robbie. Eric Smith. <laughs> so <laughs> what happened? Right. Yeah. So, from and I almost put this piece in the beginning, but I'm like, let me move it down. It's yeah. not too crazy. It's a little bit hard, but it's not too hard. So, from what I saw in my research, many uh, sources believed uh, he killed Derek because of all of the bullying he encountered in his life. It made him angry, and he found someone to take it out on. Um, he was also quoted in saying, "I don't know. 
um, I just saw this kid, this blonde kid, and I wanted to hurt him, which is terrifying. Again, children are terrifying. Um, (laughs) So um, evidence in Eric's testimony um, in the murder helped paint the picture of what happened. So first, Eric um, saw Derek while he was riding on his bike, and he lured him into the woods, and immediately Eric started to strangle him. Yeah, like in the, like from what I saw, everything happened very quickly. Um, once Derek was unconscious, Eric looked around uh, to see if there was anything I would assume as a weapon, to use as a weapon. So he saw um, some big rocks in the ground next to him. So he dug them up. He dug up one pretty large rock, which was pretty, pretty big compared to him. Yeah. And then a smaller one. Um, and Eric took the rocks and started to bludgeon Derek with them until he was dead. So he had simply strangled him and passed him. He passed out. And then he, and then he beat, beat the, the shit out of him with rocks. Yep. Yeah. But it doesn't really stop there. Oh, okay. So grabbing Derek's lunch bag, um, he grabbed um, the, the bottle of Kool-Aid um, he had for some reason and uh, dumped it into all of the wounds of Derek's body. Again, don't know why. Fucking weird. Creepy. Um, and then the worst part to me is that he then for some reason, took a stick and sodomized Derek with it. Uh, okay. Again, this no reason. Um, and then, again, and I have in here, then for some reason, I feel like I've said that a few times, <laughs> Eric took a banana out of the lunch bag and smashed it, removed both shoes, put his right shoe by his left hand and his left shoe by his right hand as if he was posing him, and then left. Yeah. All fucking weird. So on September 2nd, Eric was indicted by a grand jury on a second degree murder charge. Sorry, that was second? Yeah. Okay. And he would be tried as an adult because in New York, a child can be tried as an adult. For and he was, how old is he though? 13? He was 13. That motherfucker was a teenager. Yeah. So, so all right. yeah. Well, he obviously pleaded guilty. I'm sorry. He pleaded not guilty to it because people do that. Yeah. Because they want to get away with murder. Sure. Um. So then a year later, after the murder, on August of 1994, the trial began. Eric's attorney argued that he suffered from um, men- he suffers from a mental disease that can be characterized as rage disorder, which was quoted from him. In, uh, and the rage disorder was called um, intermittent explosive disorder. Yeah, his mom and stepdad got on the stand and told the jury that Eric would have tantrums and bang his head on the floors. He had speech problems, and he would come home and say how stupid he was, and that sometimes he just wanted to hurt somebody. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They all stated that because he had this disorder, he shouldn't be held criminally responsible for the murder. The prosecution argued that he knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, They noted that his rage disorder is that rage disorder in general is rare and rarely seen in children his age. Uh, they believed that he analyzed the situation and then he decided to take action and he knew exactly what he wanted to do. Um, at one point before the trial, both sides did medical tests on Eric to try to prove the disorder, to prove or deny the disorder. Um, they examined his brain function, his hormone levels, um, and a bunch of other things. And ultimately, there was no concrete evidence that there was anything mentally wrong with Eric. However, his attorney still believed that it was true. Yeah. So on August 16th, 1994, a few hours after deliberation, the jury reached a verdict. Uh, The jury agreed with the prosecution and believed Eric could have controlled his action, and he was found guilty of second-degree murder at the age of 13 years old. Wow. So, while in jail, Eric wrote an apology letter to Derek's family and read it on public television, and it said, I know my actions have caused terrible loss in the Robbie family, and for that I am truly sorry. I've tried to think as much as possible about what Derek uh, will never experience, his 16th birthday, Christmas, anytime, owning his own house, graduating, going to college, getting married, his first child. If I could go back in time, I would switch places with Derek and endure all of the pain I've caused him. If it meant that he would go on living, I'd switch places, but I can't. So on November 7th, Eric was sentenced to the maximum sentence of nine years to life which nine years seems low, but I think that's the maximum sentence for somebody at his age. Okay, so I'm not going to lie. I, sometimes I don't understand what nine years to life means. Meaning 
he has to at least serve nine years. Then after nine years, he's put up for, for parole. Oh, he and he parole. can potentially get out. Got it. But he could potentially stay for the for rest life. of his life. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it's basically they're saying you may or may not get back out. Got it. So Got it. Um, he would serve um, his time in juvenile detention until he turned 21. And then he'd be transferred to an adult prison. Hmm. But we're not done. So on June 11th, 2024, Eric was 22 and it was nine years and he was up for parole. Wow. So the parole board, the parole board, uh, I'm actually really proud that that's like one of the first times yeah, I didn't have it fucked up that much so far. Pretty good. Um, sorry, guys, you can't really laugh at it this time, <laughs> <laughs> well, but I'll probably mess up a bunch of times. So. Uh, the parole board noted uh, that he showed little remorse for what he did and they denied his release. Then two years later, he tried again and he was denied. denied. Then two years later, after that, he tried again and he was denied. Overall, Eric was denied parole 10 times. Wow. Yeah. And do they come up for, for parole every year? I think for him, it was, it, for him, a lot of it was every two years. Okay. okay. So I don't know if, if it's determined or if there's a set. That's probably something we should look at. But okay. he went for every two years. So then on October 5th, 2021, we're getting close. And he's <laughs> not much older than we are. No, he's not. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, so on October 5th, 2021, Eric, Eric had his 11th, uh, parole board hearing. And this time was a little bit different after talking about his remorse, his desire to obtain a college degree, um, and how he recently is got engaged to a woman who is studying to be a lawyer and wrote about him, um, uh, wrote about the juvenile justice system and more, uh, things shifted a bit. Um, and he talked about like wanting to follow the American dream, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. So on October 7th, his parole was granted um, as the board believed that they had seen uh, him change over the years and that he does not seem to be a threat to society anymore. So after being locked up for 28 years, Eric was released from prison prison <laughs> at the age of 42 on February 1st, 2022. Wow. And so when that happened, the community got a little bit worried yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So I don't have this in my notes, but I do remember this note. He was supposed to be paroled in November the year prior. Um, however, the community got was the community was worried that he would be paroled and sent back to his parents' house uh, to live with his mother. So his parole got delayed by a couple months until they found the appropriate place for him to go because they didn't want him to go to the same community. Got it. Got it. So he is now currently living just three hundred miles away from Savona. In the borough of Queens in New York City. So we got to be careful next time we go home. <laughs> yes. Eric. Yeah. So he's 43 now. Wow. Going to be 44. And so interesting facts I have in here. Um, because of what Eric did to Derek, it was often asked if Eric was sexually abused uh, to do something like that. Uh, uh, the sodomy piece. So it was yep. always denied. However, Eric's older sister came out to say that she was sexually abused by her stepfather. I mean, so people do think that there was something, but sure, it's not. Sure. It's not credible. But it, I, sometimes I'm also like, all right, when people are like, well, they were sexually abused, so they're going to sexually abuse other people too, which is actually not true. Yeah, yeah. Another interesting fact that since the killing, he has come out to say uh, that, and this is quoted: "My anger wasn't directed at Derek at all. It was directed at." all the other guys that used to pick on me. And then when I was torturing and killing Derek, that was what I saw in my head, I, which is shitty. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which so, I could, I mean, who knows what his truth is, but see, uh, hearing that I'm like, uh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Doreen and Derek Robbie uh, say that they are relieved that they no longer have to be traumatized, re-traumatized every two years for parole hearings. Yeah. Because now that's over. They don't have to worry about that anymore. And then Doreen is also quoted saying, um, I don't let him take space in my head. I do not focus on where he is, what he's doing, because I don't care. As long as he's not near friends and family. Yeah. Which I feel like is understandable. Yeah. I feel like this one's like a one that's shitty, didn't have to happen. But like, he was so young, he couldn't understand any of it. But he could. Yeah. And it it's just... It's yeah. difficult. It's diff- it's difficult cuz uh, yeah, it's difficult. I don't know what motivates people to kill in general. Um but to take the time like he did to pose mm-hmm. and to further 
like mutilated. Yeah. And the investigator said it sounded like he enjoyed it. Like when they were speaking, it that he like enjoyed he it. And he obviously stayed there for a bit and like yeah. did and stuff like and whatever. In it yeah. For, yeah. And so it's like you understand that you're doing it. Yeah. Ugh. And now he lives in Queens. Oh, Eric. I do. So hope people of New York are reformed. Yeah. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> awesome. Wow. So right. well, not too crazy one, but a good one nonetheless. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you be ready for yours. Yeah, I am. Shall we? Let's do it. All right. Episode ten for me. I have named my episode again. <laughs> you always have the best this names. Week. And my episode is titled "Fuck This Milky Marble Eyeball Shitbag Child." Milky Marble Eyeball. Yep. Okay. Fuck this. Milky Marble Eyeball Shitbag Child. Okay. Okay. It's like every week they get longer and longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they do. All right. So, it was the chilly morning of April 23rd, 1874, when two boys, Ooh, Jesse. 18. This is old. It is an old one. Uh, when two boys, Jesse, who was 14, and Horace, who was four, were seen walking toward the nearby bay after just visiting a local bakery. Horace? Horace, which by the way, it, it isn't, it, but it's the name of a character in Hello Dolly. Yeah, which is also old. But on your Sunday clothes, also. <laughs> anyway, um, I was in Hello Dolly when I was in high school. So these are similar ages to 14 and yeah, four. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Horace, whose family had just moved to Dorchester Street, um, had dark brown eyes, bow-shaped lips, and shiny blonde hair and was described as almost angelic in appearance. His mother loved dressing him up in fine clothes. So he wore a black velvet hat with a golden tassel, a black and white jacket, and a red and white checkered shirt. So Horace absolutely loved sweets. Who doesn't as a child? Um, and with a couple of pennies from his mother, ventured out into the street to visit the local bakery. And this all takes place in, in Boston. But I was going to say, where is it? Yeah, I, I address it in a little bit, but might as well. On his way to the bakery, the bakery. Uh, on his way to the bakery, he met Jesse, the 14-year-old, who joined him on his trip to the bakery. Uh, so Horace, at the bakery, bought a small cake and shared it with Jesse. What a nice child. So Horace, that's four, is at the bakery buying stuff? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I mean, it's 18, whatever, but yeah. I just... There's, like, video like of early, early, I think, 1900s, where, like, kids, it was kids. That, that smaller, like, on the street corner. They're, like, like adults. They're, like, Benjamin their, yeah, Button with so their, like, top hats. <laughs> <laughs> They indulged in their um in in the treats. So basically, Horace shares this uh this cake with with Jesse. And afterwards, uh Jesse, uh the 14-year-old, suggests, hey, let's take a trip down to the nearby harbor. Um, and Horace was like, Absolutely. So they stood up, held hands, and started toward the bay. Mm-hmm. A number of people saw the boys as they headed to the bay. So one woman near the bakery recalled that the older boy um seemed a little bit too excited. And had a little bit of an odd expression on his face. Another witness, who was near the marshy area south of the city. So basically, they're walking to the bay. There's marsh and all that kind of stuff. And they are walking through there. That witness um, recalled seeing the two boys walking um, by the felt, or by, and felt that the older boy seemed responsible. Um, but it was weird that there were kids in that area. Because there yeah. typically weren't kids that were in the marshy um, Eric, especially without an adult. Uh, but he said that the kid looked kind of responsible. So he's like, I don't really see any issue there. So he didn't think anything about it. So as they walked through the area of the marshland that's known as the cow pasture, Jesse and Horace passed a boy that was a little older than Jesse who had been digging for clams. Um, the boy remembered thinking Horace was far too overdressed to be wandering around in the mud because it's a super muddy, yeah. wet area. So as they disappeared into the marsh, another man recalled seeing the boys walking and noticed the older boy kept looking over his shoulder, but he didn't really think much about it because nobody was following him. Oh, yeah, but he's but looking to see if anybody is there. The older boy was looking over his shoulder a lot. Then the older boy's Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. So the boys reach a swall, a swale, a swall. I don't know what that is, but I think it's like a dip in the yeah. marshy area. And Jesse told Horace that this would be a good time for them to rest. So they sat down. Rest? Why are you resting in marshes? Don't know. Like, where are they supposed to be going? Don't know. So, at that moment, oh, it's all very Horace. Quick, I'm sorry I made fun of your name. I think something bad's no, happening Horace. to you. <laughs> Jesse immediately pulls out a pocket knife, grabbed Horace, and slashes his throat. 
When Jesse realizes that his initial attack did not kill Horace, he became so angry that he went absolutely crazy, repeatedly stabbing the little boy over and over again. Horace, who must have been absolutely terrified, actually fought back. This little four-year-old. Oh my God, Horace! Uh, The reason that they know this is that there were really clear defensive wounds on his hands and his lower arms, as well as deep gouges that he made in the sand with his flailing legs, and. He also had clenched his fists so hard that his fingernails were embedded in his mouth. Oh my god! Yeah, Horace eventually died from his wounds. But Damn, Jesse, for a four year to four year old to protect himself that much. Yeah, good yeah. for him, Horace. So Horace uh, eventually died from his wounds, but Jesse continued on hacking at his body, puncturing Horace's right eye, while attempting um, to also castrate the boy. So it wasn't until four p.m. that day. Uh, that two brothers, George and James Power, stumbled upon Horace's mutilated body. So this is the story of Jesse Pomeroy, a 14-year-old who in 1874 became the youngest person ever convicted of first-degree murder in Massachusetts. So James, uh, who's also known as the Boston Boy Fiend, killed two children and spent years prior to the killings brutally beating and disfiguring others. That's awful. I feel like you just said James. Jesse? Jesse. I may have said, I may have said James. <laughs> Jesse, Fuck you, Jesse. Jesse Pomeroy. A couple of, uh, some history on James. So James was born in Charlestown, Massachusetts on November 29, 1859. Uh, it's a, actually said that he did not fit in. Like, at all. Anywhere. Like, he was just not somebody who fit in in general. Um, and yeah, it's he's a murderer. Because, <laughs> he shouldn't well, fit yeah. in. But it's actually because he had a, a pretty bad birth defect in his right eye. Which... Actually, his eye was kind of whitish. Um, it was like a marble-colored eye. He had a thick Makes white sense film. Title. I know <laughs> a thick white film that covered his pupil and everything. Um, well, and, and back then, any kind of deformity was yeah, people were frowned super, upon. Yeah, yeah. so uh, people were revolted by him, and, and um, the, the number one person who was really revolted by him was his fucking dad. So, well, that's great. Um, yeah, thanks, pops. Jesse, um, like your. Uh, Eric was viciously bullied by kids that were bigger, taller, and stronger than him. And so, in turn, he too would bully those that were smaller, shorter, and weaker than him, too. Can we just say, too. bullying is like yeah. a really Stop awful fucking, fucking thing. bullying people. <laughs> so much trauma comes from bullying. Yeah. I was called a faggot a lot in high school. Um, but a lot of was times it was like, too. are you gay? Are you gay? You know, whatever. Um, and I only had one like pretty severe incident. Uh, and it was this kid called, his name was Toby. Uh, and it was in the locker room. I ran cross country and we always ended up in the locker room with the football players. Uh, and everyone showered typically. I didn't always Which shower. is weird because we never, nobody showered really in Yeah, we, I mean, school. it was kind of a thing in gym class too. Like, and I didn't, I wasn't really bothered by having to shower with everybody. I wasn't like a, I think people, I think people have well, misconceptions. People, people have an like, idea that a gay person is just yeah, gawking. Be like gawking. Like, no, I want to get in. I want to get the fuck yeah, out. Like, I don't want to be around this. I would like to get out. Yeah. I was sitting uh, tying my shoes or untying something was I was doing something and this group of football players came over to me and um, they started calling me a faggot and one shut this kid Toby shoved his dick in my face and told me to you know suck his cock or whatever and it was very it was horrible it's fucked up and fortunately the, the you should just punched dude, him right in the dick I should have <laughs> man uh, some of the cross country guys though um, kind of got him off me and I kind of ran out and it was a horrible thing. Well, yeah, that's so traumatizing. Yeah, but that was kind of the only thing that, that happened to me too much because I started to become pretty, I don't know, bitchy and direct. And by my senior year, I was like, yeah, I'm <laughs> fucking gay. And people were like, okay. Yeah. Uh, so it was a little bit different, but, but bully, like stop bullying people. Yeah. It's like the worst. And like online it. bullying just makes it even worse because then it's just yeah, people a bunch are of random fucking behind people. their computer. Right. Yeah, I mean, we've gotten some weird-ass comments on our shit, too. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, uh, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, severe bullying uh, in general that uh, caused him to also be a, a pretty vicious bully to some people um, as well, especially those that were shorter, weaker, and smaller than he was. So, Jesse was a loner, and he preferred to read um, something that were called dime novels. They were like cheap dime novels, uh, which were stories that were full of blood, gore, sex wars, battles, and mayhem. Basically, like like gaming uh at this point but it was all story yeah uh then jesse was uh a loner in his family too he was ignored by his older brother and his dad uh whose name was thomas um actually would frequently beat him with a horsewhip and leather belt and would actually demand that jesse strip naked 
so that his dad could inflict more pain direct on. Well, the yeah, skin. no wonder why he's he would yeah. like torture people. Like that's so fucked up. Don't so, abuse your children that bad either. No. And I think okay, so here's a common I think thread with serial killers, uh, and it's that at a young age Jesse would start to torture and kill small animals, yeah. which his mother, by the way, her name was Ruth Ann. Um, was aware of and fuck and both of these parents. <laughs> I know, and Ruth Ann sticks out in my mind because I've talked about my adopted family before. The Mormon yes. family down the street. Um, the mom's name was Ruth Ann, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh. apparently the only person that was actually good to to Jesse was his mom, Ruth Ann uh, Pomeroy. So she thought that his issues were due to his bullying, and that if people would just stop bullying him, that he would actually stop bullying others. Which I don't know that that's not wrong, um, but. Uh, he was also killing. Well, he was also doing more at that point. I, that, that doesn't matter. Yeah. So, um, so even with that though, his mom, even though he started torturing and killing small animals, his mom would still dismiss it saying that it was a sign of sadness. Um, this was also know. the 1800s. They didn't know shit right. about shit. But if you're a parent these days and your child is um, torturing and murdering animals, <laughs> figure it the fuck out. Right. Like Something's there's something right. wrong. We're yeah. looking directly at the camera. If your child Stop. is killing animals, yeah. There's a problem. There's an issue. And it might be you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, stop whipping your children with belts. Uh, okay. So, in 1871, in the city of Chelsea, which was just across the river from uh, Charlestown, um, children began to suffer vicious beatings at the hands of a boy that some described as bigger, taller, and stronger than they were. And then some were also sexually assaulted. So this is kind of before. So this, this is like is, the preemptive. He was. Yeah. He started by just beating and yeah, so sexually assaulting. This was when Jesse, I think, was eleven or twelve. So not too long before, because he was fourteen when he. Yeah. yeah. They said that the boy would basically befriend them, offer them money and treats, and they would take, and then he would take them to a remote location where he'd have his way with them. So the boy actually became known because I couldn't figure who out who it was, and it was several kids. Yeah, all boys. Um. But the boy became known as the boy torturer and the red devil. Oh, which is creepy. The red devil. The red devil. So, was there a specific type of child? Like, what did he go after? Boys, girls? Was it just boys? Just boys that were smaller than him, um, smaller, shorter, Mm. you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, anyway, a description of this boy, of Jesse, uh, was published in the Boston Globe, which Ruth Ann, his mom, read and recognized. So then she immediately moved the family to South Boston because of that. So instead of like doing anything like significant mm-hmm. about it, she's yeah. like, oh, we'll just move. It'll yeah, be fuck fine. Fuck you, Ruth Ann. Doesn't mean shit. He's, no. he's, he's already killing animals. He's abusing people. Like he's, there's like, something wrong. There's already an issue. There is something so, wrong. In August of 1872, a young boy was found tortured on the sands of South Boston. Um, and that following September, another child was found beaten, assaulted, and tied up to a telephone post. So the shitty like, thing that's is... That's like out in public. I know. The shitty thing is, is that he would... And I didn't put any of this in here because there's a lot of victims. Um, but he would basically take like a, a board and like fucking beat the shit out of their face. So he'd knock teeth out. I oh mean, it gosh. was just... It was fucking brutal. He had some anger issues. So anyway, uh, that victim that was tied up to the telephone post gave such a good description of his assailant that... Oh, he didn't die. No. None of those kids died. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were these already were getting all, to... Hell no. no. These were, we jumped back. These are all the kids that were being like tortured and, oh my gosh. and you know, all that before Horace. That, uh, the telephone post, uh, that, that kid gave such a good description of the assailant that um, he was able to identify the very peculiar right eye a white eye that resembled marble. Well, there you go. Mm, Jesse. <laughs> so Jesse Pomeroy uh, was then arrested and sentenced to the state reform school at Westboro. So Ruthann, however, was able to um, get him out only a few months later. Yeah. So when I talked about those parents that just like, yeah, don't bring stupid. their kids to the police, stupid, you're stupid. an asshole. Yeah. You should be, you should be <clears throat> put in jail the same amount of time. You know, here's what's shitty. And where they were now in Charlestown, um, she kept the fact that he got out of this reform school very quiet. Of so course. locals actually didn't even think he was out and thought he was locked away. He was. It was in the paper. Everybody knew who this fucker was. But, oh my god! So he was out. Yeah, and people and didn't know. nobody no. So that's here's even more interesting. And remember, this is prior to Horace, March eighteenth, eighteen seventy four. A girl named Katie Curran disappeared from her home in South Boston. 
She had left. Uh, she had left to buy a notebook, but was never seen again. So after some investigation, it was discovered that the last place she had been was at the Pomore's shop because they owned a shop in South Boston. Basically, the investigation led them to the Pomore's shop where Jesse actually worked. But they did um, an investigation, searched the store, and they didn't find anything. So there was some other shit about people who said that it was somebody else and whatever. So um, it kind of fell off the radar, but she was missing. Now let's jump back up to April 23rd, 1874. So Horace was discovered on the beach. It was Horace the first. Horace Millen. Killed. Yeah. So he was the first. After all those tortures and all that shit, he went to that reform school, came back. Horace was killed. I wonder what like made him switch to be like, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to kill someone now. I don't know. Um, So anyway, uh, Horace Millen uh, was his name, was discovered on that beach. After the coroner cleaned the body, he found dozens of defense wounds, as I said earlier. He found 18 stab wounds to the torso, a punctured eyeball, and mutilated genitals. So the examiner noted that it was the work of a madman. Yes. So police issued a report to several journalists who were waiting at the mortuary. Uh, They also issued a bulletin to all stations to get help identifying the victim. So even though Horace had gone out and all this kind of stuff, there was, it was 1874. I mean, there was no, yeah. right? 1874. Yeah. There, it just isn't what today is. Yeah. So his mom actually had reported him missing and they were like looking and whatever throughout the day. But, um, yeah, anyway, so because of that, it wasn't that long before the South Boston precinct wired back for more details. Horace's mother had already reported him missing. And by 9 PM of that same day, in 1874, police, um, a police officer was sent to the Millen home to deliver the news of her dead son. That's very quick. It is. Like, especially yeah. in like a marsh. Like, I couldn't imagine it's a popular place that people would walk around. The reason that he was found was because there were two boys that were looking for clams in the area. But when they were looking out there, the tide was, they didn't, they misjudged the timing of the tide. So they were just kind of fucking around. So they actually happened upon his body, like, not that long after. Like literally at That's four so o'clock, I think. And they say he died between 11 and three. Jeez. Yeah. So that though, these two boys actually found him. Pretty yeah, I could imagine. I put their names in here stumbling somewhere. upon a dead body. Yeah. So I don't really ever want to have that happen. Uh, no. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, there was only one logical suspect, but Jesse was supposed to be locked away at Westboro reformatory. So the police didn't initially, they were like, well, he's, he's not here. Anyway, it wasn't until the Boston chief of detectives reported that Jesse Pomeroy had actually been released on parole from there. Um, and so immediately Jesse was picked up once they found the their new house. Uh, so Jesse didn't immediately admit to any crimes. And in fact, uh, when faced with six, imagine this, six police officers all firing questions at him, he denied involvement, spinning stories of where he had been during the day. Uh, Horace went missing. Uh, but he had a large gap of time where he could not offer an alibi from 11 to 3. Literally okay, when this little boy, yeah. It's because he was murdering. Yeah. So when the officers inspected Jesse, um, they found marsh grass and mud stuck to his shoes, scratches on his face, and a blood stain on his shirt. He also admitted to owning a knife, which was collected from his mother's house, and that knife had mud and what appeared to be dried blood on it. And this is all before they could do any testing of the soil to see if it's yeah. the same... And in fact, mud they, and the blood, and they sh- can't do yes, but they did ask him like, how is there not more blood on the knife? And he was like, I stabbed it into the ground. So, um, they also got, and I found this to be interesting. There were trails of shoe marks in the mud. So they took a plaster of his shoe and a plaster cast of the shoe prints in the mud and, matched it. and compared it and they matched it. Oh, so, um, Jesse continued to deny, to deny that even with presented with that, um, until they were like, we're going to take you to his body. And so, um, when they did that, he broke down and admitted to killing Horace then. So, um, he's quoted as saying, I'm sorry, I did it. Please don't tell my mother. How would your mother not find out about that? <laughs> so Jesse, <laughs> it's um, such a weird fucking thing. Don't tell mama. You know, don't tell my mommy. <laughs> uh, so then Jesse, uh, became the primary suspect in the disappearance of Katie Curran, obviously. Oh, duh. <laughs> so. A little than uh, a little more than a month after Jesse's arrest, when the Pomore's store um, had to be shut down because obviously people were not shopping at their store anymore. Yeah, knowing what he did, their former co-tenant decided to expand um, their business, which meant that they had to take over the basement of oh, the former shop uh, that had to be refurbished. So it wasn't uh, too long before a group of workers discovered a body, which was the decaying remains of Katie Curran. So. Let's jump back to March 18th, I forgot about her. 
1874. <laughs> I know. I totally forgot about her. I'm sorry, Katie. Who's the little girl, Katie? Yeah. Oh, God. So jump back to March 18th, 1874. Just six weeks after he was paroled from that Westboro um, uh, school. Katie Curran, who was 10 years old, was dressed in a black and green plaid dress and wore an overcoat and scarf and ventured to the Pomeroy store in search of a notebook that she needed for school. So Jesse told Katie that there was a notebook, but the one notebook that they had had like a stain on it, but that they had more um, because the store extended into their basement. And so she went into the basement and uh, as they began to go down the stairs, she noticed that there was actually not a store down there um but it was too late jesse immediately threw his arms around her neck and over her mouth and with his knife slit her throat right then which that one that killed her so he then dragged her uh behind a water closet where they concluded he completely severed her head cut her clothes open and then attacked her torso and genitals and i read a quote that said and that what and he attacked her torso and genitals and it was so bad that that was actually what, when her body was decomposing, they couldn't, she decomposed so much from the torso first that they couldn't really identify how many. Oh my God. She had, but it was such a messy, you know. Um, how did nobody find that? I don't know. How did nobody smell that? Smell that? How did nobody, know. unless they did and they were like, it was well, only, we'll a, it, was a, it. it was a month later. I mean, that's but the a body would have had to stop yeah. smelling. There would have been blood everywhere. Like, what? I know. Once he did all that, uh, he covered her body with ashes and stones, washed his hands, and went back to the store. There is something that said that when they found her body, that they're not sure that he totally cut off her head, or if when they were digging, digging oh, like around, the shovel. the shovel maybe cut my off gosh. her head. Um, but they weren't. Either totally. is awful. I don't want my head I know. to cap. So ultimately, he did all of this torturing of all these kids, and then he killed both Horace and Katie during that time. So anyway, Jesse was in custody when Katie's body was found, and because of that... Both his mom, Ruth, and Charles, his brother, were both taken into custody and charged with accessory to murder. Good. At first, he kept denying Katie. He's like, no, 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 I didn't, you know, I don't know anything about that, whatever. But once he was presented with the fact that his mother and brother were arrested, he confessed. Uh, And when asked why he said it, he said, I don't know. I wanted to see how she would act. So he killed her before Horace. Yeah, he did. So Jesse was eventually found guilty of uh, the murder of both Horace Millen and Katie Curran and um, was sentenced to death. Good. Which there was a whole thing. 14-year-old going to death. I know. There was a whole thing about like him being a minor and the death penalty because that was when they did. They hung. You know, Oh, yeah. It was hanging. Death by hanging. There was a lot of like shit about like, well, maybe he's insane. Maybe whatever. To try to not get him to be um, convicted and sentenced to death. But anyway, he was uh, he was sentenced to death. He was found guilty of the murder of both Horace Millen and Katie Curran and was sentenced to death. So his sentence was uh, actually commuted, though, to life in prison to be spent in solitary confinement. So um, September 7th, 1876. Th- this is how quick that went. That is um, he it's was locked up. Huh? It, that's like unheard of quick, at least for... Well, these days he killed them in 1874 and he was i mean he was found pretty quickly so actually it was a few years yeah but now Um, it's like people are on um are on on, i mean trials can take forever yeah no i know but they're on but they they don't get i can't even think of what i don't know what you're saying yeah (laughs) just keep going anyway september 7th 1876 (laughs) he was locked up in the massachusetts uh chusetts state prison in charlestown um and uh died in prison so, but then spent most of his time in solitary confinement. There are a couple of documentaries about this, and I think that they have a version of this on a, a TV show um, that's actually out right now that Dakota Fanning's in. I can't remember the name of it. Really? Uh huh. Yeah. So there was like, there's some pictures that I found with this guy that had a milky eye. Oh. And I was like, is that him? And I think it is. But anyway. Creepy. Uh, yeah, and he, children. Was, and he was creepy. He looked creepy as fuck. You know, he he looked like Albert Fish Ew. in his older years. Oh, I mean, we're going to put him in the in the yeah, graphics. Yeah, in the, in the graphics. So you'll cover, see it. But it was fucked up. So, yeah, that was oh, the... Oh, that was a fucked up one. I know. The story of, uh, what, Jesse Pomeroy. Milk-eyed marble. Yeah. <laughs> what is fuck it? this milky marble eyeball shitbag child. Yeah, fuck that child. Fuck both children. Right. Killer children. Except... 
Eric, don't kill us. I know. Also, there was a lot of killer children. So there were quite a bit. Yeah. We'll be recycling this yeah. topic. Well, eventually I want to do one where it's children who've killed their parents. Because I think that's, that's so fucking creepy. You bring this that's child like the, into your the, life, the, into the, the life, and you, they just come and kill you. That's it's like terrible. the Melinda's brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know who that is, right? The yes, but twi- I, I think they're twins. I'm so bad at remembering things that I know what up. you're talking about, but anyway. I don't. All right. That's it. That was, uh, yeah. Episode 10. Sorry, that was a few weeks late. Yeah. Sorry. Hopefully you missed us enough that you're going to keep listening. Hopefully you actually listen. I know. But remember, (laughs) um, please subscribe, follow, rate, and review. You can find us at Homicide Podcast or Homicide The Podcast. Homicide Podcast. Yeah. Homicide. No, I mean our social handles. Homicide The Podcast. So on most Homicide, (laughs) H-O-M-O, HomicidePodcast.com is our website. Definitely go there because we have some swag and all that fun shit. But then also follow us on social at homicide the podcast but definitely be sure to subscribe on youtube um if you like to watch it on video and then please follow us on uh, wherever you listen to your your podcast but yeah. please do go rate and review those do and help tell your friends people grow yeah tell your um, friends how amazing homicide yeah, yes please <laughs> uh but anyway also send in your hometown murders oh my yes. god uh, murder at homicidepodcast.com and remember you will likely get to join us if you want on the podcast to share your own hometown murder, which is really exciting. So anyway, yeah. that's that next. Uh, hopefully our producer, Anna will be back uh, on next week. Cause she should she's be super fun to, to do it. Her and I will be in New York. So yeah. Thanks for going on this journey with us. Yay. We appreciate you. Goodbye. Bye.